You're listening to the Outdoor Photography Podcast, episode 26. In today's Tidbit Tuesday, I'm going to give you six tips that will help you create amazing images of the fall colors. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Brenda Petrella, the creator of Outdoor Photography School. Join me as I sit down with top landscape and nature photographers and outdoor industry experts to chat about creativity, composition, photography tips and techniques, essential gear, safety in the outdoors, respect for nature, and so much more. Tune in every week to learn how to create compelling and impactful images while exploring and enjoying the natural world. Welcome to the Outdoor Photography Podcast. Hey everyone, Brenda Petrella here, here to help you create better images and reconnect with nature. Thanks so much for tuning in today. And if you are in the Northern Hemisphere and listening when the episode comes out, happy official start to autumn. I hope you are as excited as I am for the season change. And fall foliage is going to be the topic for today. So let's get right into this week's listener question, which is a write-in from Gary. Gary asked, With autumn close at hand, could you give us a few tips on shooting fall foliage? Why, yes, I would love to share some tips for photographing the fall foliage. I have lived in the Vermont, New Hampshire area for over 22 years now, which is hard to believe. And so I have been fortunate to enjoy many, many fall foliage seasons. What makes fall foliage so special here is the density of hardwood forests, which contain an abundance of sugar and red maples that give us those classic New England colors of oranges, yellows, and reds. And if you follow me over on Instagram at Brenda Petrella, you may have seen my post last week of an example of these vibrant warm colors. I also gave a little history lesson as to why Vermont in particular has the fall colors the state has become so known for. Anyway, most leaf peepers and photographers aim to hit peak foliage, which is the short period of time when most of the leaves have turned their brilliant colors and are still on the trees for display. But I'll caution you, if there's one thing I've learned in my many years here, it's the unpredictable timing of peak foliage, which only lasts a few days up to a week, and when it actually occurs, varies each year by two or more weeks, and it also varies a little bit by location. Weather also plays a significant role in the peak unpredictability because the leaves can be knocked off the trees in a single storm. Thankfully, however, these storms tend to be very localized and you're likely to find colorful trees after a storm if you're willing to travel just a little bit farther away. So I'll put it out there that you'll likely have a much more enjoyable and even productive experience photographing the fall colors if you embrace pre and post season foliage as well. And there are plenty of photographic opportunities for the entire season. Understanding a bit of the science behind what causes the colors to change can help you somewhat predict what the foliage season will be like in a given year. And I won't go into the science of that in today's episode because I wrote all about it in my complete guide to photographing stunning fall colors over on the Outdoor Photography School website. So I'll link that article up in the show notes for you if you would like to check it out. Regardless of when the foliage season actually happens, what we can depend on is the fact that the colors will change first in the northern latitudes and at higher elevations. So generally speaking, the trees start to turn color as early as mid to late September in the northernmost states, and the season lasts about two to three weeks, ending around mid-October. So when you're planning a trip, if you're going early in the season, then you probably want to head to the north and into the mountains, whereas if you're going later in the season, you might want to stick to the valleys and southern areas. 
Thankfully, tourism boards and a number of fall foliage forecaster websites provide daily updates on the color changes, including some that have webcams. And I'll link those in the show notes as well for New England states anyway. Okay, now let's get to my six tips for photographing the fall colors. Tip number one, use a circular polarizing filter. So the camera equipment that you'll need to photograph the fall colors is not different from what you would normally use to create landscape or nature images. The only additional piece of equipment that I would highly recommend is using a circular polarizing filter. So if you're brand new to photography filters, then be sure to check out episode two because I explain them all in detail in that episode. Leaves, especially when they're wet, tend to reflect light really well, and the polarizer will help cut back on some of that glare, enabling you to capture more of the color in the leaves. Polarizers also tend to add a little saturation to the image, which can help deepen the colors a little bit. Now, these filters are most effective when they're used at about a 90 degree angle from the sun, but because they are circular, you can adjust just how much polarization you want to have according to your tastes and according to the angle of light. Tip number two, shoot in raw format. As I mentioned in the last Tidbit Tuesday on high dynamic range, raw format files are lossless, meaning you're able to use every bit of pixel information that the camera sensor is capable of recording in your edits. So using a raw converting program like Adobe Lightroom, you can non-destructively process those files and you don't lose any of the pixel information. On the other hand, JPEGs are a lossy file meaning that the camera performs some in-camera processing based on your settings, and these changes are destructive. And so some pixel information is being thrown out and is not recoverable. So if you want to have the most leverage in getting your fall foliage images to your liking, especially when it comes to getting the colors right, then you want to shoot in raw format. Tip number three, slightly exposed to the left, or ETTL. So in our last Tidbit Tuesday, episode 24, I also mentioned the benefits of exposing to the right, or ETTR, for high dynamic range scenes. And I heard from some of you that you'd like me to go into more detail on that. And so in one of our upcoming Tidbit Tuesdays, I'll explain histograms and exposing to the right or left in more detail. For now, suffice it to say that exposing to the left, or ETTL, simply means that you are slightly underexposing your image intentionally. Not so much so that you lose shadow detail information, but just enough to shift the luminosity histogram to the left a little. Or like my young daughter likes to say, a little bit, but not too much. Over the years, I have found that I get better color results if I slightly underexpose a fall color image. And then in post-processing, I'll bring up the whites a little bit and adjust the contrast using the highlights, shadows, and black sliders, or even the tone curve. And generally, When I take this approach, I almost never need to add vibrance or saturation, which we're going to talk about more in a moment. Tip number four, check your RGB histogram. So if your composition contains a lot of vibrant reds and oranges, then be sure to check the color or the RGB histogram to make sure that the red channel is not clipped, even if your luminosity histogram looks fine. If the red channel is blown out, it will be very difficult to adjust the red in post-processing and the color may end up looking a bit washed out. So if you find that the red channel is blown out, then underexpose the image slightly, like we were just talking about in the previous tip, or even consider bracking the exposure instead. Keep in mind that the color histogram on your camera's LCD is not of the actual 
raw file itself, but rather it represents a compressed JPEG image file that your camera has created so that you can preview what the raw file might look like. And because raw files have more dynamic range than JPEGs, it's entirely possible that the JPEG preview image might have a clipped red channel, but the raw file is fine. So as you get to know your camera more and how it processes information, you'll be able to use more discretion about just how much to slightly expose to the left in the field to avoid clipping the red channel. Okay, tip number five, understand how light affects color. If you listen to episode 18 on light, you know that I like to say that there is no such thing as bad light. Light is just light, and knowing how to work with the light you have is the key to being able to photograph on any day in any location. So let's talk about how light affects color so that you can create compelling fall foliage images no matter what kind of light you have. Light affects how vibrant or washed out or even rusty the fall colors may appear. Overhead sunlight can easily wash out the fall colors. So while they may look brilliant and stunning on a gorgeous fall day, they are actually more challenging to photograph. It's easy to blow out the red channel and the colors sometimes appear more rusty than vibrant in the final image. Now, a polarizer can help with this a little bit, but generally, if it's a bright, sunny day, you're better off looking for more intimate nature compositions where your subject is not in direct light. Some compositional ideas could be portraits of leaves, the colors of the fallen leaves on the forest floor, or other colors like ferns and plant life that are transitioning but may not be as vibrant as the fall leaves and so forth. Now, if you want to get the boldest color, then low angle front light is what will warm up and enhance the vibrancy of the colors. Again, though, you want to watch your RGB histogram when using low angle front light to make sure you're not blowing out that red channel. Side light softens the color a little bit, giving a more soothing and even a glowing appearance to trees. And using side light allows you to get the full effect of a circular polarizing filter. And lastly, side light is also great for bringing out details and textures for intimate subjects like tree bark, for example. Backlight is when the light is coming from behind your subject, and it is great to use if you want to capture the glow of the colors in a woodland scene or even to create sun stars. In my opinion, overcast and cloudy days are your friend when it comes to the fall colors because the clouds even out the shadows and highlights, which makes exposing for the fall colors a lot easier. And using the post-processing methods that I mentioned earlier, an overcast day can make the warmer colors of fall stand out even more without the colors looking overdone or artificial, which is really easy to do. Overcast days are also ideal for photographing waterfalls, rivers, and streams, reflections, hillsides, intimate nature scenes, and more. And you can find compositions all day on a cloudy day, in my opinion. Alrighty, last but not least, tip number six, use the vibrance and saturation sliders sparingly. So one of the easiest ways to ruin your fall foliage images is to overuse the vibrance and saturation sliders in post-processing and not understand the difference between how these sliders work. More is not always better in this case. Both the vibrance and saturation sliders affect the intensity of a color, but how they adjust the intensity is different. So the saturation slider changes the intensity of all the colors equally and non-discriminately, even if the individual colors are already quite intense in the raw file, thanks to Mother Nature. 
The saturation slider can easily oversaturate colors to the point of it looking artificial, especially oranges and reds. And this is why the saturation slider should be used sparingly when processing fall foliage images, if it's used at all. On the other hand, the vibrant slider is much more discerning and can detect what colors are already intense in the image, and it only applies saturation to the more muted colors. Vibrance also only works on the midtones of an image. So as a result, adjusting the vibrance slider is an effective way to boost the intensity of colors in a realistic and balanced way. But even then, it's wise to just use it a little bit and not overdo it, and you may not even need it at all. And I recommend that after you process your fall foliage images, give your eyes a break and come back and review your final adjustments later. You may find that you need to back off a little bit on the intensity of the colors if they start to look a little too unnatural. Okay, so to quickly recap the tips, one, use a circular polarizing filter, two, shoot in raw format, three, slightly exposed to the left, four, check your RGB histogram, five, understand how light affects color, and six, use the vibrance and saturation sliders sparingly. All right. Thanks so much for sharing a little part of your day with me. I appreciate you and I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. As you know, I enjoy hearing from you. And if you have a question you'd like me to answer on a Tidbit Tuesday, you can record it through a link in the episode description or on the Outdoor Photography School website. Or if you prefer, simply email me your question at brenda at outdoorphotographyschool.com. All of the links and relevant information I mentioned today can be found in the show notes at outdoorphotographyschool.com forward slash episode 26. If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to show your support, the best ways to do that are to rate and review it in Apple Podcasts, share it with others, or buy me a coffee through the link in the episode description. This works kind of like a podcast tip jar, and it helps me cover the cost of producing the show. And I'm so appreciative of all of you who have supported the podcast so far. I couldn't be doing it without you. And it really means a lot. So thank you. Next week, Scotland-based landscape photographer Alistair Ben will be on the show to talk about expressive photography, his luminosity and contrast theory, and how to cultivate creativity. And shortly after that, we'll have Texas-based landscape photographer and personal coach, Bree Stockwell on the show to chat about her unusual journey into landscape photography, setting goals, and how reframing your mindset can improve your photography. So be sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss out on these or any of our upcoming episodes. And until then, get outside, my friends, and find yourself a little nature. Take care. <laughs>